0: I'm Ben from the Diecast Movie Review Podcast, which is done by myself, my sister, and my father, where the genre of the movie is decided by the cast of a die. The categories are horror, drama, comedy, action, sci fi, and fantasy, animation, and musical.
1: Also, on occasion, we'll have a special episode dedicated to conversations with creators, directors, actors involved in the production of movies.
0: Join us and see what movie we pick next.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of the DieCast Movie Review Podcast. This is Steve Turk coming to you live, actually being recorded, but live right now from Maryland. And I'm joined today by Jeff Owens, one of the co-hosts of the Classic Cars Podcast. And he's coming from Minnesota. How are you doing today, Jeff?
2: I'm doing fantastic. I'm in a great mood. I'm humming the music. And I'm ready to talk about one of my uh, favorite movies.
1: Yes, um, on, uh, earlier before we recorded, I had um, like a couple of months ago, Jeff Roll a die, and he rolled musicals. And Jeff, before we tell them the name of his musical, which they they didn't pay attention to the um the little episode information, they they should know already. But I'm curious, Jeff, can you name me five different musicals besides this one? <laughs> oh, I I probably could. Oh, could you try now, please? <laughs> well,
2: sure. Uh, let's say West Side Story, Grease, My Fair Lady. Uh, oh, well, I should have said this first, Danidu. um, And Grease too.
1: Okay, the first three. Does, we know does that tell good? you my taste
2: so, in musicals?
1: The first three are very good musicals. I don't know about the last two yeah it'll be an interesting competition of Xandadu Greece 2 and the one you did pick which is
2: the pirate movie
1: the pirate movie and I gotta say Jeff um normally you do horror movies with Rich Chamberlain over at the Classic Cars Club podcast what drove you to pick the pirate movie
2: well that could be a very long story um Specifically, I suppose in this instance, it's because of our uh, my connection to Christy McNichol, who I loved growing up and has always really been one of my favorite actresses, even though she hasn't been terribly active in, for much of my adult life. But uh, the fact that you were able to meet her and you got her autograph for me and sent me a video of her with a greeting at a time that was kind of sad in my life when my father just died, I, if it had been any genre with a movie that Christy McNichol would have, have done, that's the one I would have picked just because of you doing that for me and kind of wanting to share that. And uh, we we were just blessed with the role of the die that it was uh, a musical, that, that we could do this one. Well, yeah. But I have a... My history with, with this particular movie, it goes... Um, way back i mean i love chris mcnichol and family and uh my best friend from enid oklahoma had moved away um after our um i guess freshman year in high school uh, i would go see him every summer in california uh, where he moved and in the late summer of 82 when this movie was released uh knowing my love for Christy mcnichol then we both went on opening night in hollywood california to see the pirate movie so it's got uh, you know a personal connection uh through that um that's just sort of woven throughout my whole life and, and i'll always have a soft spot for it
1: that's very nice to hear and uh, you know really I, you said it was lucky you got musicals but this movie seems to try to cover a multitude of genres in some shape or form i mean it could have been, you could have argued that it was an action movie you could have argued it was a fantasy movie. You could have argued it's a comedy. So you had a, a 50% chance of getting this movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think, well, <laughs> I certainly wouldn't have picked it for a comedy. Um, and this is, this is a, such an unexplainable relationship I have with this movie because I find the con- comedy aspects of it literally painful. I, uh, it's not my type of humor, slapstick and, you know, breaking the third wall, talking to the audience and visual gags. It's, it, and if you love that, that's great. But for me, that's like the lowest common denominator. I do not find much humor out of that. So it's not the comedy aspects that necessarily attract me to this movie.
1: Oh, I almost forgot one of our categories in the die roll. This also classifies as a foreign film because it's Australian.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I suppose. I suppose. And I'm. I was expecting you to make the joke when you mentioned that I usually do horror movies. Uh, that you would say this fit in line with horror movies as well.
1: No, no, no. It's that. It's not a horror. I mean, what you did to me, I think, is a horror movie. But it's. <laughs> but the movie itself is not a horror movie. I've never ever seen I knew nothing about this movie going in to watching it.
2: Well (laughs) now, see that kind of surprises me because I know your kids are involved in theater and your daughter has her degree. Pirates of Penzance, I would think, would be familiar maybe among the family. And that's really basically what this it's a weird mix. It's it's it, two movies in one. The the bulk of it, the middle, really is sort of a spoof on Pirates of Pin Vans, but they're using that music, that plot. So I would think you'd have some appreciation there, just unless from a, a theater aspect, you just weren't that familiar with Pirates of pin
1: Oh uh, I was not. The only song I was familiar with is the um, the Major General song because I've heard it in other okay. things. I, I heard the Major General song in a movie. I think it was Slappy and the stinkers and which is a movie I'm sure, you know, very well, but no, <laughs> you probably have never seen that one. That,
2: that sounds like it might be your revenge movie. If you, um, you know, the tables are turned and you have to pick a movie for me to watch.
1: I, I wouldn't do revenge on you, Jeff. I, <laughs> no, I, 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 as always, when we have people that roll the die, we always want them to pick a movie that they like, which, yeah. which you said you do. And, and, we just don't know if the other people that are going to listen to it are going to like. Like our very first episode, um, when we did Inherit the Wind, Joshua Kennedy, Ben, and myself all liked the movie and recommended it, but Michaela did not. And, um, and that's the thing is everybody has a different perspective going into the movies, and that's one of the things we like to do is have those different perspectives meet and, um, and see how um, those different viewpoints match up. Uh, sadly today Ben and Michaela are not available that's why Jeff is helping me out with the um, the podcast so we can keep movie reviews coming out but otherwise we would get the, the younger perspective from them because you and I are uh, the older guys and um, and they're both in their 20s so it would be interesting it, to hear their perspective of this film because they would actually have been the target audience when that movie came out yes
2: yeah, and that. I would really, I hope you'll get them to watch it, somehow con them into watching it because I'm very curious what a, a kid from this day and age would make out of it. Some of the the references are very dated. If they have not seen the movies or are familiar with the movies that are sort of spoofed in the pirate movie, uh, you know, they won't get it. Uh, but there's the overall sort of goofy nature of the young kids and their love story. I don't know if that's, universal and might extend and it to kids these days I, I don't know that's that's why I'm really curious I, I I hope you'll you'll get them to watch it somehow and let me know how they take it I mean I don't know they may move out of the house and blame you for the rest of their lives I don't want to cause any you know family disruption but uh, it, it just be curious and the thing is you know at that time when it came out I'm not even really sure it was for kids then i mean i suppose they're the ones that are going to appreciate it because of the sort of light humor but i just i bet the gag would have fallen flat you know in any any time that they uh were shown uh, i i don't know i mean like i say it's not the humor that that attracts me to this movie so i don't really know how other people take it my instinct is that it, they think it's corny uh, silly, you know, and it probably doesn't hold up very well.
1: Well, when I say my, my children, I know you're thinking kids. Remember, they're both, in two of them I'm talking about are both in their 20s. So it's, you know, I would not recommend this, this movie to young children at all.
2: <laughs> yeah, and well, you know, and that's the age when I saw it. I mean, I say I was a kid, but I was in you know high school. I guess I wasn't 20 yet, but I was late teens. Uh, and yeah, I don't really see anyone younger than me at that time having enjoyed it. I don't really know who it was made for, I guess, is kind of what I'm saying. Uh, it has some very adult humor, uh, but again, not funny. But not really raunchy, maybe trying to be, but you know, it comes and goes so fast. There's like no overall really coherence to it, I don't think.
1: It's definitely an interesting movie, and Before we get more into the movie, we talked about your podcast. I'm going to share the promo with it. And then after the promo, if you want to talk about what you and Rich have been up to in the past episodes that listeners can download and listen to. All right. Sounds good.
0: Welcome to this month's meeting of the Classic Horrors Club. I'm Jeff Owens from ClassicHorrors.club. And I'm Rich Chamberlain from monstermoviekid.wordpress.com and kccinephile.com. Let's begin this meeting with a report from our sergeant at arms. Vince, are there any housekeeping details today? Once the door is locked,
3: there's no way out. The windows have bars that the jail would be proud of. And the only door to the outside locks like a vault. There's no electricity,
0: no phone, no one within miles. So, no way to call for help. Thank you for that very thorough report. As you all know, oh, yes, we have a comment. It's time we started. We had better get on with it. Well, we're trying. As you all know, we're recording a new bumper for the podcast. So what testimonials can you give potential listeners? Yes, Al. I hope that as you listen to this, you are among your loved ones. Hmm. Interesting feedback, I guess. Vince, what do you think he means by that? So many unexplainable things have happened here. You're not really selling it, guys. Chris, how do you think fans of classic horror, from silent screen to Halloween and everything scary in between, will feel after listening to the Classic Horrors Club podcast? In the first
3: moments, every muscle, every fiber will be afire with torment and agony.
0: Doesn't anyone have something good to say about the Classic Chorus Club podcast? Yes, Bela. Well, this isn't a very pleasant way to entertain a guest. <laughs> 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 At least someone's having fun. Let's adjourn on a high note. Al, would you like to sign us out? This concludes our dance macabre. Eloquent as usual. Thank you. Please join us for the next monthly episode of the classic horse club podcast available where all fine podcasts are found.
1: So Jeff, what are some of the episodes that you've done in the past? Do you want listeners to um, listen to?
2: Well, I. Uh- seems like we've been doing a lot of theme episodes. Well, I guess most of them really are theme episodes. I, I know one of our most popular episodes is one that we did on Stella Lugosi. And usually when we focus on an actor or, or a theme like that, we like to do uh, a movie early in the career, sort of at the peak of the career, and then towards the end of the career. Uh, so that that episode has been very popular. We did one on Fay Ray. That was actually a listener's suggestion. So we did the same thing with that. Uh, Most recently, uh, we did uh, a movie uh, theme uh, with Count Yorga. We did Count Yorga and the sequel. That generated some controversy, I guess. Uh, We didn't keep it with praise. I didn't think we necessarily uh, criticized the movies too harshly, but (laughs) some people thought so. Uh, And then we're getting ready. Our next one to record will be all about Lionel Atwill. And he had a very... Short career on the screen anyway, so uh, his movies won't quite follow the formula because they were packed within the same time period, but we're going to be looking at Murders in the Zoo, Secret of the Blue Room, and a third movie, which I cannot remember at the time. But uh, we're, we're doing the research and watching the movies and getting ready to record that here very soon.
1: You did one theme episode, Back to School.
2: Yeah, yeah. So movies with uh, bad kids, basically. So, um, and that was an episode I particularly liked because we picked a couple movies that were pretty obscure. I, I had not even heard of Wittering and Zygote. Uh But, uh, so, I you know, I like it when we can do that because there are a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of movie horror podcasts. So when we can find something that not a lot of people have talked about I really enjoy doing
1: that. I was just surprised because, you know, when you say these themes, I go to do some prep work, and sometimes I, I send you guys feedback, and I listen to your episode, and you didn't have the movie Back to School. In there. <laughs> and I was just like, what, "What? what is wrong with you guys? I mean, it, it, it's in the title, Back to School. Has Rodney Dangerfield. What is more horrific than you and I having to go back to school to college and hang around with late teens early 20 year olds i mean that that'd have to be a horror film there and the sight of rodney dangerfield in a bathing suit before he dies that image (laughs) once seen cannot be unseen so sir i'm calling you out not having had back to school with rodney dangerfield in that podcast
2: well, I, I apologize, Steve. You know, we can only do so many movies. And interesting, this is going to say a lot about me. Number one, I picked the pirate movie. Number two, I love Back to School. That is the kind of movie that I find funny. And uh, I now you've got me wanting to watch it. I haven't seen it in years. So I'm going to have to find that.
1: Oh, I love that movie. It has Sam Kinison in it as one of the teachers. And I always remember that scene where um, – Ronnie Dangerfield, the student in it, and they're talking about the Vietnam War. And Sam Kennison, for those that don't know, is a, um, a comedian who was known for shouting, for yelling. And um, he was trying to get Ronnie Dangerfield to, to say a certain thing, so he's like getting right in his face, and you can see it in the camera. This is another horrific image. Sam Kennison, full blown. I've never seen this in the movie theaters, folks. You once you see that face, you'll again, you can't forget it. But he's yelling like, "Say it!" Say it! <laughs> and it, it is a fun, maybe one day we'll do that as a review here. It, it is a fun movie, and it's uh, it's enjoyable. Yeah it's, it's really re-
2: yeah, it's time for a resurgence in that, one, I think. And that was 86, so that was roughly, you know, about the same era for me growing up and watching movies as the pirate movie. So, um, yeah, they're similar to a certain extent. Uh, at least as far as my taste goes.
1: Now we talked about the power movie. Can you give our um, listeners a brief synopsis of what the movie is about?
2: Sure. So it's like I said, a story within a story. And it begins with uh, a tourist trap sort of place in Australia where Christy McNichol is this sort of nerdy nebbish girl kind of has her eyes on the swashbuckling demonstration with Christopher Atkins. A little bit of a Cinderella story in a lot of ways. Her sisters trick her uh, into not being able to get on the ship that is sailing with Christopher Atkins and, and all the people. So she decides to follow in a boat, has a little accident, washes up on shore unconscious, and then dreams the bulk of the movie, which, like I said, is pretty much, as far as I understand, a, a spoof of Pirates of Penzance, uh, which is a love story between her and Frederick, who is a pirate, Christopher Atkins. Uh, hijinks into, Um He wants to leave pirates to be with her. The pirate king that adopted him as a child, of course, doesn't want that. Uh, tricks him into a technicality where... Legally, he can't marry her. They have to overcome that. Yeah, goes on and on. Uh, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. You, you can imagine, imagine the excitement, uh, the adventure that uh, comes from that.
1: I will say, ladies and gentlemen, that if Jeff and I say any spoilers, I I can honestly tell you that there's no way You can be spoiled in this movie. It has to be seen to be believed. So even if you know exactly what's coming, until you see it and hear it and feel it in your soul, you don't know what this movie is really like. You must see this movie. Must see this movie. And you know,
2: my love for it is inexplicable. I think I've said that. I can sit and watch. I will not tell you this is a good movie. I have admitted it's sometimes painful to watch. But by the end of it, I feel good. I don't know why that is, uh, but I do. It works for me. I'm fond of it, and I love it. But I will never tell you it's a good movie.
1: And it is a musical, so we're going to share one of the songs. This is the song that goes along with the opening credits, Victory. Victory. Yes, the movie gets us off to that rousing start with victory.
2: Yes. I guess if we're going to talk about music, I want to say that it's um, you can definitely tell the songs that are taken from Pirates of Ten Vance versus the ones written for this movie. There's a definitely a stark difference uh, in those. And I think also at this time, uh, we could say that this is an award-winning movie we're kind of dogging it but it has won awards and it, it has won an award for the worst musical score the Razzie and the worst original song and it was nominated for I think six others so you know we got to keep
1: that in mind it,
2: it has won awards
1: yes yeah, awards that nobody usually wants to win
2: <laughs> hey an awards award I'd take it
1: that's true and i, I, I... And I got to give credit to some of the um, actors and actresses and people that actually show up at the Razzies to accept a Razzie because they realize, I mean, they realize they were in a dumpster fire and they show up there and they take it. And it's nice that people understand. I mean, not everything you do is going to be a work of art. And sometimes it's a paycheck. Yeah, that's
2: right. You got to have fun with it. I mean, that's, yeah. I am. What did you think of the choreography?
1: The Choreography was very interesting and, and some of the, some of the ones um, some of the songs it was it fit right in fine and in other parts it was baffling I don't I don't know who did the choreography but it was it was definitely it's definitely you could tell early 80s because it has people wearing still some disco type stuff um Christy McNichol's character Mabel when she's in the dream sequence. Looks like Olivia Newton John at that time, you know, frame of her career, so with outfits and with you know she she first is in a dream sequence. She has the headband which she takes off you know, shortly after, but it, it just reminds you of Olivia Newton John.
2: Uh, yeah, that's uh, I. This movie in many ways reminds me sort of those of those lesser musicals that are kind of a uh, I think came after the popularity of Grease. I mean, this reminds me of Xanadu. Uh, even the story structure, sort of the main story, uh, even a little bit of Grease. Just even the way it's structured, these all have, to some extent, a scene with animation for one of the musical numbers, uh, just like Grease did at the beginning with its opening credits. So I think it's at least in part a product of uh, you know trying to cash in on on the type of musical that Grease was. And on my choreography question, so I I made a note when I watched it most recently. I said, pretty lame choreography. And then I said, or is it? Because I don't know if it was purposeful or not. If it's purposely bad, then that sort of fits in with the rest of the movie and therefore makes it perfect. So I don't know really what they were trying for. I can't think that they were trying to be perfectly um choreographed and, you know, uh, intricate musical scenes. I, I think that's part of the movie and therefore I, I've, I've come around. I don't think it was bad choreography. I think it was set uh, the tone of the movie.
1: Well, yeah. And, and, and the song Victory, they're showing um, archival footage of a different yep. pirate movie. And um, but and then of course I find it interesting because you see the end pop up and they turn it it's a TV and the guy turns it off and now they're in modern times, nineteen eighty two time frame, and we're, it's, it's, so it's kind of interesting. It's like, oh, okay, so these are what pirates were portrayed like, but God, they're not really like this.
2: Yeah, and in a way, it's sort of a tribute to those old swashbuckling pirate movies. I mean, there's the the stock footage from that, there's a part later in the movie where a character is reading a book, uh, the great adventure movies, and they'll show a close-up of it was probably Douglas Fairbanks Jr. and somebody and uh, you know, a black and white picture from this book and then, you know, cut to the action of the movie where they're swashbuckling. It, it, that both does it favors and hurts it. I mean, it, it's kind of telling you, hey, this is what we're celebrating here, but yet, you see what a pale, pale comparison this is to those movies of uh, past years.
1: Interestingly enough, the director, who is what, Ken Anakin? Yep. He has done a lot of different movies. I think like over 50 of them, around 50, something like that. And a lot of his movies I have seen before, and you would never think a director of those movies did this movie. I mean, he was in... Swiss, he did Swiss Family Robinson, Those Magnificent Men in the Flying Machines, The Longest Day, um, Battle of the Bulge. You would never think the director of those movies, well, maybe Those Magnificent Men in their Flying Machine, would ever do the pirate movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, you sure wouldn't. And that could be sort of an interesting story, depending on how you look at it. So he was not the original director. He was called in, sort of at the last minute, 10 days before production was supposed to start. And the, from what I can tell, I believe this was to me would have been more odd than Ken Anakin directing this was that a man named Richard Franklin was supposed to direct. This is somebody who made terrific Australian movies, Patrick road games, both thrillers horror, and then psycho two, which actually I love. Um, is, I think, a very good movie. So he, to me, would have been even more out of place. The commentary on the DVD uh, is with the DVD producer and Ken Anakin. I'm not sure what year it was recorded. They talk about Million Dollar Baby having just come out. So whatever year that was is probably when this was recorded. It's an interesting commentary. There's, as you can imagine, not an awful lot you could say about the making of the Pirate movie, but... Anakin, does talk about making those other movies that you mentioned. And if you're a fan of Hollywood and those big sort of big budget Hollywood movies, uh, it's an interesting commentary to listen to for his stories on those.
1: Yes, I listened to um, his commentary also um, last night, about half mm-hmm. of it. About half. I didn't get all the way through because I wanted to get a good night's sleep. Uh, and I realized he wasn't talking about the movie we were watching, he was talking about everything else under the sun but the movie <laughs> and, yeah
2: yeah, he talked a little about it but you know then you really can't uh, talk for an hour and a half about the making of this movie, I mean he talked a little bit about the, the cast and Chris McNichol, Christopher Atkins um, a little bit about the origins of the movie uh, the, mentioning the choreography you know it was well because he came in so late he had nothing to do with the really casting the script you know anything he basically came in to, to finish a job um and and wasn't really involved too much in the creativity and the choreography he talks about this group of oh uh, can't remember the word he used but there's women in australia who had like their own troupe you know, of dancers, they came with the choreography already done. All he had to do was put a camera in front of it and, and capture it on film. So, you know, probably, there probably is more to be say, said about the making, but oddly, it's not really the director who should have done the commentary for us to learn those things.
1: Yeah, I wish they would have had the executive producer and the also one of the main actors, Ted Hamilton, who played the Pirate King. Uh, on the yeah, commentary. they definitely
2: talked, yeah, they talk about Ted Hamilton how this was his baby, and I even got the impression from the commentary that Ted Hamilton. Eh, what I wouldn't say the extreme of co-directing, but certainly giving his opinion on how he thought shots should look and and things that you know should be done during the filming. Um, he, yeah, I financed it, I believe, and you know, starred in it. He's the, the Pirate King. Uh, for whatever reason, you know, this was his movie he wanted to make. Um, It was, in the commentary, they didn't really indicate, but I have read before that this was rushed into production because there was rumor of the making an official Pirates of Penzance movie, which did come out, I don't know, it was a couple years later. It was within relatively short time. Uh, It had Rex Smith and Linda Ronstadt, and they had done it on Broadway, and it was very popular on Broadway at the time. So for whatever reason, you know, for making it, I think Ted Hamilton pretty much drove the project.
1: Oh, I agree also. And, and and to me, he steals the movie. If, if your enjoyment of this, this movie is going to depend on how much you really like the Pirate King. If you, if you go for it and just let it flow with the humor that he throws out. Um, like, he'll do lines like when he's trying to seduce Maple... On the ship, and he asked her, What's the age of consent? and she says, 18. He goes, well, I'm over that age. And you know, it's, <laughs> he's very narcissistic, and it's all about him. Yeah, it fit, yeah, it, but everything he did filled with his character, and you could just tell it, it was, um, he was having a great time.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. He is definitely a, a strong focus, not particularly, uh. Well, he is. You can't deny that. He, he's not one of my favorite aspects of the movie. Um, I seem to gravitate more towards, you know, the kids themselves and their situation um, and how he, you know, interplays through the plot. Uh, but but sometimes he, he was a little too over the top and annoying to me.
1: Well, to, to be honest with you, the first 10, 15 minutes before they got to the dream sequence, i was i was hating this movie i was just like oh my <laughs> god what am i watching how can i get jeff back <laughs> finally hey, you said you don't take revenge well i don't but finally i, I was picking movies down the road <laughs> to clarify we well so did that. it
2: eventually beat you down and suck you in i mean you're talking about the first few minutes did you finally just surrender and just try to sit back and experience it
1: well that's what i'm saying once she passes out and it goes to um dream sequence and at that point anything could happen because it's a dream sequence there's no logic there's no rhyme or reason so when i it's like with gilligan's island when they go into the dream world once you're in a dream world i just i'm just expecting anything and you don't have to worry about any logical connections whatsoever because it's a dream I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You can walk into one room. Next thing you know, you're in a jungle. And yet there's a door. You walk through that door. You're at the beach. And next, you know, it's like things can go, you know, all over the place. And you and you can fold because it's dream logic. Once it goes there, the movie picks up. But also that's when the Pirate King comes into play and um, more of the hijinks. I, I, unlike you, the Pirate King and Chris McNichol's Maple are or two of my favorite parts of the movie, my least favorite part of this movie. And, and you got it. We got to agenda. We got to, we got to mention the the gorilla in the room, Christopher Atkins.
2: Yeah. Oh, so he the he's the worst
1: a, actor ever that I've seen.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he, he's a looker. He was a teen idol. Um, they wisely keep him scantily clad. Uh, I don't know if it was an homage, homage to the Blue Lagoon or not, but he even wears a loincloth some of the time. Um, so yeah, that that was his. Those are his strengths. <laughs> let's say um, it's interesting that on the commentary, the the producer did ask Kananikin about working with those two and directing them you know what did he have to do to get them to deliver a performance and he basically said nothing you know they're they were both experienced it came from their experiences well I I think Christopher Atkins needed some direction um it's yeah I agree that's that's very painful his acting and even well you could if you compare him to Christy McNichol because basically they've got the same type of line the same same type of style to deliver, but Christy, I mean, it's not her best acting either, but she can deliver a humorous line. And actually there's a little bit of edge to it that makes it better than however it is. Christopher Atkins is attempting to act.
1: Oh, oh, I agree. I mean, he's bringing down Christy McNichol because they're together in a lot of scenes. But when you put Atkins up against Ted Hamilton, you know, he's he's losing there. He's losing to Christy McNichol. And in most of his – a lot of his scenes, he's with one or the other. And it's just – you can just tell he's not able to deliver the lines with any emotion, earnesty, or anything. I mean, it's just – he's it's like a professional model. You just hope yeah. – you just wish he was mute.
2: And it's interesting that I I kind of caught, you know, this is a movie so rich, Steve, that every time you watch it, you get something else out of it. <laughs> this particular time, I noticed how, maybe for that, I don't know about that era or not, but is it, Christy's character is a strong female character. I mean, she's making decisions. Um, her worst decision probably is why is she attracted to, to him. I mean, it's purely physical, and I think she makes some jokes along the way about he, how he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, so it, that kind of contradicts that she's a strong female character, you know, leading the the plot and making decisions. Yet, why would someone as strong as that you know, fall madly in love with Christopher Atkins?
1: That was one of the things I was thinking of after I watched this movie is that there's so many... It's going one path, but then it contradicts it. She's a strong female, but she wants Frederick to lead um, the police against the pirates. But then she ends up leading the police because Frederick's honor-bound, you know, as you brought up with that loophole that the Pirate King finds out, that he has to side with the pirates. Um, she, she wants to make her own decisions, but yet because she's the youngest, all the eldest sisters have to be married first before she could marry Frederick. Right, You know, but it's also her dream. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of, there. there's things it wants to do. It's like, it's almost there to have her to, to stay the strong character. And I wish they just would have kept it that way. Like, you know, made it more that way, but it's like, they, they, they take a step forward and a step back. It, it's, 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 it's very um, confusing, you know, like where she's going. And of course, it isn't a dream. So, I guess we could say, like I said, the dream logic, it makes it makes it all make sense.
2: I guess what comforts me in that uh, the situation of the strong woman and why would she fall for him is that in real life, uh, Ken Anakin says that they never had any uh, connection or potential for romance. So, I think, okay, in the real world, she's smarter than that. You know, she's not going to go for. Um, looks over brains and so I'll, I'll take it in the movie as long as she doesn't do that in real life
1: well she did have that great line when um, they were getting ready to swim to the pirate ship and he's looking at her um, body where she's wearing um, like uh, that, that centuries type of bathing suit I guess you can say or undergarment where it's covering up a lot of her body and she says my body is an 8 but my mind is a 10 mm-hmm and again it's like pushing that you you know you just don't look at the physical think of the mental and that but of course she's attracted to the physical as, as we said it's 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 uh, uh, very the whole movie is attracted to the physical <laughs> you know scenes early on when all the women are walking and and and, mm-hmm. and step and they're showing them from a certain direction so you could see them in their bikinis and that kind of stuff and it's uh so it, it's 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 very weirdly directed, and that's what what I said is so surprising with the movies that Ken Anakin directed. And you see this, and I know it was a he only had ten days, but still, you and he only had what was it ten weeks for production?
2: Yeah, I mean it's very anyone could have directed this. I don't really know what he brings to it, and I, I think of that the ending. Uh, right before the dream ends, the big, you know, production number, it, there's no creativity at all. Uh, you know, I mean, the camera setup, you see the whole view of the front of the house and them, you know, marching forward and doing their little moves. It's just, there's no creativity. Uh, I don't know if any visual flourishes would have added much to this or not, but it's very, very standard.
1: I'm 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 always curious now if it would have been a different actor besides Christopher Atkins. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of people in 1982 that would have been a 20 year old, or, you know, around that age that they could have put in there yeah. and maybe. Well, let me ask you this: What?
2: How much do you think the singing had to do with it? I mean, I I don't consider either of them a a, a, a singer. Well, Christy, a little bit. I mean, you know, she and her brother had quite the musical act. Um, a few years earlier and, and put out an album, which of course I have. And um, so I guess he kind of does. I don't know that Chris Brackens had any singing experience. I don't think it's bad, but are are you thinking maybe someone, uh, how much do you think the the singing would have improved the performance or is it just strictly, we think we need a better actor?
1: I was thinking of a better actor, you know, somebody with yeah. chemistry, somebody with charisma. Um yeah. I don't know. How old was Tom Cruise around then? You know,
2: Yeah, that would have been risky business was about that time. Yeah,
1: you know, could you imagine if he would have been in that role and and knowing what kind of movie it is, I think he would it, it would have been more playful, more fun, and I and I feel there would have been more a uh, charisma. And I think the sword play would have been pulled off better, because he usually throws himself into any role he does. I'm sorry, who was that? Uh, Tom Cruise. I think with, like, with the sword play oh. and everything. And that, oh, whole, right, right, right. All right. That would I thought you so said another better. name.
2: Yeah. The only teen idol that I keep thinking of from that time would be like Matt Dillon, and I can't see him in this. I mean, he's a great actor, but uh, he would have been too smoldering, and uh, I don't see him doing the action. Tom Cruise would have been okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not. I'm I, just thinking about this now, so it's not like I did a lot of research and thinking about oh, right the actors in 1982 who, 1981-82 who would be like fit, you know, plug and play right into this because the director had no choice. These people already were already cast before he came on,
2: right like, to the production. Well, how old was Rex Smith at the time that played in, in Pirates of Penzance*? How old was he and uh, Linda Ronstadt? They, to me, I they think they're older, but they may not have been that much older.
1: Well, it's not really much about age is how much, how, how old you look, as you know, as you well.
2: Well, know. yeah, but they would not have cast probably someone that was out of that demographic.
1: I mean, th- th- I think the main reason they, cra- they ca- um, cast Christopher Atkins is because, you know, he was the hot teen idol, you know, ever since Blue Lagoon for a couple years. So it's.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I I don't know. I'm sometimes just throwing it out there. I think I don't know if it would have made it, it would have, it would have made it a better film. I don't think it would have made it a great film. But it would. Have, yeah. It's just interesting when you try to think about because he is the, he is the um, anchor bringing the film down. And it's it, it's it's just sad like you have somebody that's really doesn't bring anything to his performance except his looks.
2: Right. Right. What did you think about the nods to other movies? I mean, there's little bits from Star Wars, uh, Indiana Jones, Pink Panther. Uh, Do you think those were well-placed or out of place?
1: I enjoyed it because, again, it's a dream sequence. So it'd be like films that she would have seen prior to that. So, like, again, with dream logic, I can understand that coming in. Ah, that's another level
2: I never thought about, Steve. Yeah.
1: I'm just peeling that onion for you.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if it's just the accent, but I got a, not the way it sounds. I got a Monty Python vibe, not because of the humor was anything to the level of Monty Python, but especially when the police force came on and uh, there was a bit with uh, some one of the policemen running up and putting their hand in front of the camera. That's, you know, like out of the Holy Grail. So I, I definitely got a, but, you know, when they put something in there like that, all it does for me is just make you think how much better the original source is.
1: That's true. I mean, it. but there was a lot of films that came out in the 80s and the 90s that would utilize prior knowledge of films in their in their jokes, you know, and uh, I mean, even in the 70s, Kentucky Fried Movie, you know, did a lot of spoofs on different movies.
2: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and, and depending on the skit, you know, some skits work real well. Some skits don't, but you throw it out there. It's like airplane. See what sticks. True. But again, I think if, if you, if you accept the dream logic and the, most of the movie is in the dream sequence, you can, you just let it flow. You know, turn the logic center off of your brain. And you let it flow, and the movie is so much better. <laughs>
2: hmm. Well that's good advice.
1: You know, because if you try to make sense of this, you're gonna go crazy. What are what are some other things that you liked about the movie, Jeff? I I mean
2: I like the music. I like all the songs. They to me I I'm very familiar with them. I hum them them along. You know, I do. That gets me through (laughs) the movie, to be honest, uh, is is the music. Um, I really like how it ends. Um, I like sort of the, her, you talk about the dream logic. She acknowledges it's a dream and she's in this impossible situation. And she just says, hold it, wait, this is my dream. And I want a happy ending. I didn't
1: think she I said liked it. The, I thought the, Ted Hamilton said it to her. He, I think he's he the pirate king said, but it's your dream. Uh,
2: okay. May, then she, yeah. said it, then she
1: said it and like, that's right. It is my dream. But I think it was the pirate king. Okay. That, that first, of course, you've seen this way more than I have. So I'm going to bow to you. I only saw. It no, <laughs> I,
2: you may be right. But, the, you know, the part I remember is her saying that and then you know, she can do whatever she wants since it's her dream and she wants her happy ending. And she, I, I like that just kind of concept, uh, of I don't know, that just, that makes me feel good. I like it. And of course, in the next production number, I, it ends really, it escalates for me at the end because you hear the song sort of in the traditional pirates and dance method. And then it, when she wakes up, then the song is done again, but it's modern now with the 80s, a little bit more of a rock tone, and they come up out of the ship. It's just uh, – it gives me the feels. I guess the kids say these days.
1: Now, I'm going to say – you I think I'm quoting you exactly. You like all the songs in this and hum along or sing along with them. You did say that, correct? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let me play <laughs> award-winning song from this movie pumping and blowing one of Jeff's favorites.
3: Uh
1: yes ladies and gentlemen that that's one of the songs that jeff hums and sings along to pumping and blowing by christy mckney and
2: what's wrong with that song i mean i'm here listening rocking my head back and forth Uh uh-huh i mean it's it's you know, you want to get your, to your mind in the gutter, movie, and
1: Jeff—it's a well, song I expect to hear in a porno movie.
2: <laughs> get your mind out of the gutter. This is a family film, and there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah, it's a film about how to make a family, but I mean, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, but you and think blowing, swallow too,
1: I mean, your sur- pride? I mean, and, and during this film, during this, so listeners understand, she's on a rowboat, um turning the handle to pump air down to Frederick. So Mabel's you know up there pumping the air and he's wearing his old diving cap. So, um, and every so often she'll stop and have to put more air in there to keep from, from you know, so to keep them with oxygen. And the, ant this is the part where you have the animated fish. Yeah. And they'll turn in the lips and other stuff. I mean, it's just like, I'm looking at this thinking, who wrote these lyrics? How in <laughs> the world, I was just like, it was like, what are they? Oh, I know what their message is, but I'm like, holy mackerel!
2: (laughs) I, you know, I don't know. My mind doesn't go there with that. I just, I enjoy it. You know, like I say, it's inexplicable.
1: I just want to say this. I think it. I think it definitely deserved a Razzie Award for that year. It was definitely the one they should have picked to win.
2: Well, I'd have to see what the other nominees are, but like I said, it's an award, you know. That, that's great.
1: That's great. <laughs> I love how you keep it a positive spin going, which which still amazes that's right. me. Then on your one episode about Count Yorga when people were upset that you weren't positive. How, if Jeff is so positive about this movie, and, and how could if he's if you're any more po- positive, you'd be your name would be Pollyanna. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's an idea that I'll uh, I'll message those people and say, hey, listen to Steve's podcast if you want to – if you think I was negative, I think you'll tell me I'm a bit too positive with this.
1: And they'll say I'm negative, but, <laughs> but I still haven't No, negative. you're
2: just I, having I, good fun with it.
1: I'm mean, Well, th- th- this is a movie that – it has a cult following, and it, it definitely is, it is one of fun. Does it? Does it, though? On Rotten Does tomatoes, it have a cult on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a nine percent. I looked at it this morning. Nine percent critic. Yes, but seventy six percent audience score. It's exactly. got a following, so it, the critics hate it, but the population liked it, but it didn't make any. It really just made a little more money than it probably cost, than it cost to make the movie and with the advertisements. So it did. I think it probably made money. It's probably in the black, but not by much.
2: <laughs> yeah i just for inflation to see and i think it made about 21 million dollars which uh, i i don't know what it costs to make but uh, that it'd be considered a flop for sure these days i think it only i guess unless it well, it's doubled in
1: budget was 5.9 million Oh, so it made dollars. 15 million dollars that's it made and it made um 9 million in the u.s but, again if you, you oh. have to add, they say doubled usually you double the budget to get the advertisement money yeah to promote it so if you had if you had the world box office into it like australians box office I think like I said it broke it, it made it either broke even or made a little money back but it was it was definitely not a hit except, yeah except and for you
2: of having a cult following it, a couple things the only other person in the world that i know likes this movie is a friend of mine from college uh and i'm sure at some point we would have watched it together i don't remember specifically but she'll actually refer to this in our conversations you know these days she'll bring it up before i do she gets a real kick out of it she just thinks it's goofy silly fun and likes it and, and there there must be other people like that uh You know, And and then the other coincidence is I have a friend in a Facebook group that um, lives in Dallas and there's a group of people having, uh, she sent me the invitation because the other thing with Pirate Movie, the the summer after it came out in 83 when it was on HBO, I had a big party with all my friends from my hometown to watch the Pirate Movie and uh, did invitations and we had a signature cocktail, you didn't call it that back at the time, but anyway, had a, a big time out of it. Everyone knows how I love pirate movies. Well, so she sent me an invitation, this group of people in Dallas, are having a pirate movie party to watch it, and I'm like, woohoo, I said, Dana, this must have finally reached the status of, you know, popular people know now, and she had to bring me down, she responded and goes, oh no, this is just a bunch of queens that get together and watch bad musicals.
3: <laughs>
2: so, you know, you just these movies, you you get out of them what you can. One person likes it, one person doesn't. Nothing's wrong either way. Um, I certainly understand if, if people dog this movie. It doesn't matter to me one bit. I love it.
1: Now, some of my favorite parts involved, like I said, the Pirate King. But I also loved the Major General, Mabel's father in the dream sequence, who was also the ice cream vendor prior to her going into the dream Yeah,
2: sequence. don't you love that when they do little Wizard of Oz things, the people in real life show up as characters in the dream?
1: Yep, and, it, and, and they definitely did that all the way through in this thing. They, they they took it all the way. And his version of the modern Major General, I don't know, I just, it just put a smile to my face. He just, he just brought... I laugh to it especially the line at the end and we're going to share that song with you listeners so hold on a second
0: M- mabel tell him to foil our sport
3: my father yes. is
4: yes.
3: yes a major general oh.
4: a major general that'll do it yes yes he's a major general yes yes he is a major general Yes, yes, I am a major general. Papa! Not now, darling, I'm on. (laughs) General. I've information vegetable, animal, and mineral. I know the kings of England, and I quote the fight historical. From Marathon to Waterloo in order category. I'm very well acquainted with matters mathematical. I understand equations both physical and quadratical. About my new, new theory, theory, theorem, I'm teeming with a lot of news. With many cheerful facts about the square of the hypotenuse. Papa! Ah, this is my big number. I'll play along with this. Our lives may depend on it. I'm very good at integral and differential calculus. I know the scientific names of beings animalculus. In short, in man is vegetable, animal, and mineral. I am the very model of a modern major general. <laughs> Temporary culture, North American. I straighten more piratical erections than Boderican. I'm into Est and all the rest. I've undergone analysis. I jogged beyond decrepitude to permanent paralysis. My muse is into music. With my credit, I'll not trouble you. From R&B to s m cross over to C&W. To grooving with the doobies and my Malamu heart, soul, and tones. Man, I'm older than the Beatles, but I'm younger than the Rolling Stones. She's older than the Beatles, but I'm younger than the Rolling Stones. My military knowledge for a plucky and adventurous embraces measured Star Wars in the twenty second century. Yes, I am a vegetable animal and mineral. I am the very model of a modern major. General.
1: <laughs> Jeff. If they modernize this movie, they can go. Man, I'm older than in sync, but younger than Queen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, obvious. Well, that was the song from Pirates of Penzance. Obviously, they changed the lyrics a little bit. We we didn't point out earlier. We probably should do that. That you know, this, like I said, was from Pirates of Penzance. "Humping and Blowing" was not. That was one of the original songs.
1: Well, yeah. It, it, I can't imagine pumping and blowing being in the pirates. Of- <laughs> 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 oh my lord. Yeah. And Linda, <laughs> Linda Ronstadt had to sing it. No, no. <laughs>
2: yeah. But no, I do like uh, the major. I he to me he and the pirate king are the opposites and I much prefer uh, Bill Kerr as the the major general Christian Michael's father. Um, and he's the one Anakin said of the whole cast, you could easily pluck him out and put him in a version of the Pirates of Penzance and he'd fit perfectly.
1: He would, and his comedic timing was very good. He, it's like I said, the only actor I did not—I don't want to beat a dead horse—was Christopher Atkins. Everybody else did fine or, or really good, what they had with what they had to work with.
2: Yeah. What did you think of the the leader of the police, the chief constable?
1: Uh, well I mean, it was fine. I mean, it wasn't a big part um, of the of the thing, yeah. but it it was funny when he can he goes to confront the pirates, and it looks like a like a theater setting, like a, it had like gym equipment in the theater. It was a really weird room. <laughs> yeah, all the other policemen that were with him. Run out in the hall, so he's by himself but doesn't know it yet. And he holds out his billy club, and then it shoots off like a balloon and it comes back, yeah, all limp and laying there. And uh, and yeah. then, of course, uh, the fight ensues between the police, the pirates, Mabel versus the pirate king. Ah, uh, and I was at this point, I, I swear to god, I was thinking this. All they need now is a pie fight. <laughs> and a minute yeah. later, what happens, Jeff?
2: <laughs> yep, yeah, there's a pie fight.
1: But what kind of pie fight?
2: Oh, I'm not sure. What are you getting at?
1: A pizza pie. Oh, pizza oh, oh, oh! He comes out gotcha, all gotcha. with cream pies, and when somebody even says, "Oh no," a pie fight, and then he starts throwing pizza pies at everybody. Yeah. I mean, I the vegetarian, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, well that's something I wasn't expecting, you know. It's a pie <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it totally took it to a different direction, so I, I got to give him credit on creativity. Whoever heard of a pizza pie fight.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're pointing out things now that are uh, the things that are sort of painful for me to watch in this.
1: See, they're painful for you, but they brought a smile to me. I'm well, being, good. I'm so we, type, we got yeah. different things out of it then. Well, I mean, I like the Pirate King. You didn't care for him as much. I like the pizza pies. And, you know, I, it was, again, I was just following the dream logic of it all. And yeah, no, that makes.
2: Yeah. well, I'm not saying I don't like it because it's going against the plot or anything. It's just, um, yeah, just a matter
1: of taste. Oh, exactly, and um, really, for me, you know, I, I think I think we brought up most of my likes and my my one big dislike, you know. What and I think we've talked about yours. I don't think you have any more likes or dislikes to share, do you? No, I I did make some notes. I think I hit all the points. But this is the scene, folks, where you have the big fight and. Mabel is overwhelmed she is going to lose and this is when the Pirate King says but it's your dream and that's when she goes off and then they start singing a song called Happy End and we're going to share a sampling of it with you now and then we'll exit the podcast out with it later but to give you an idea the sample of Happy Ending again we'll play it at the end of the podcast in its full entirety so you can get the one of Jeff's favorite songs, legitimate favorite
2: yeah I mean come on this, this epitomizes what the movie about I mean no more sad times mad or bad times life for living, sharing, giving
1: uh, just sweet so Jeff I have to ask you one more question. All right. Would you recommend the pirate movie to our listeners?
2: You know, I was afraid you were going to ask that. In good conscience, no, I cannot recommend it. I do not think most people will like it. However, it would encourage me greatly if, based on anything I've said, someone decides to give it a try on their own if you are not critical at all and just want to sit back and relax there is joy to be found in this movie um i just unless i know you really well i'm not going to tell you that you're going to find that joy if you watch this movie is is that fair is that um you know I, i just because i love it i can't recommend a movie. I just, I couldn't in good
1: conscience do that. I understand. I understand. It. Um, as for me, would I would recommend this movie or not.
2: Yeah. What would
1: you do? Well, like I said, the, the first part of a, before the dream sequence is just abysmal. The ending, which is very quick after the dream sequence is abrupt and quick and virtually makes no sense because suddenly Frederick and Mabel are kissing and kissing, and they never did that before the dream. So now, when you come back out of the dream, dream logic is over. We're now back in the real world, so to speak, and um, like, and he's kissing her on the beach and all this stuff. And next thing you know, they're married. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but wrapped up quickly in these
2: movies, she brings something back with her. I mean, um, that didn't bother me at all.
1: Okay, I understand. But um, So, listeners, was this a good movie? In all facets of what I consider a good movie, I would have to say no. I cannot recommend this movie to you if you're looking for a good movie. Now, if you're looking for a bad movie that starts off real bad and then turns bad good, for most of its one hour and 40 minute playing time, it's like like one hour and 20 minutes of it is, is bad. Good. This movie is for you. I mean, this movie is just going to have moments in it that are going to be, like I said, if you can, if you can accept the dream logic of the movie and just let it flow over you, you will enjoy this movie. If that is going to be a problem with you, avoid this movie, like the plague.
2: I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I'm horribly biased, and I think to make the confessions I've made about it during this podcast are are good of me, and I, I think that is a very fair recommendation.
1: So, overall, I would say I, I enjoyed the movie, Jeff. I, you know, it, it was the first 15 minutes or so, whatever that took out to the dream. I was not thinking good thoughts about you, Jeff. I was not thinking good thoughts. <fault. laughs> but that. But well, then, yeah. But I, but I knew Christopher Atkins was in the movie, and I, I've never liked him in anything I've seen him do. So I knew going in there was going to be like one bad strike against it, even though I knew nothing about the movie. Um, and, and besides Kristen McNichol, I've never heard of any of their actors because they're all Australian. And this is back when the, the, the Australian film makers or films are starting to make that rise to more national attention, like with the Road Warrior and the Mad Max series and things like that.
2: Yeah, and this was at a time that the Australian uh, film community was growing and putting out some of those great movies you mentioned. And just think this they get to keep the company of the pirate movie with them.
1: Yes, yes they do, and they shared it with us. Jeff, besides the Classic Cars Club podcast, what else do you do so our listeners to know? Because you, you, you do a couple other little things.
2: Yeah, well, I... I fancy myself more really of a writer than a podcaster, which if you've listened all the way through this, I imagine you can uh, acknowledge. Uh, but I do a couple of different, uh, blogs or websites. I do the classic Horrors dot club and I do a DC comics guy blog where, um, you know, I have these things I enjoy and that's my outlet for sharing that, that those things I enjoy, uh, If I watch a movie or read a comic book or something that I like, I want to tell people about it. So I've just sort of over the years taken to writing and putting it on a blog because what else can you do with it, you know? So, uh, and I have one other blog I just started, the reaction shot, which kind of is just generic stuff that doesn't fit in either one of those. So those keep me pretty busy. I try to keep fresh material on those. Uh, and then occasionally I will get something in print. I've associated with a great group out of, um, England called We Belong Dead. They have a, a magazine they put out and then this series of wonderful, wonderful books. Uh, one you mentioned before, uh, we started was a celebration of the life of Vincent Price. And it's just a bunch of different writers writing different essays. Uh, I got to do a couple in there, uh, one that sticks out in my mind as I looked at his, all of his television work and, and did an article about that. So I, I enjoy doing that. Those are my hobbies. I certainly don't make a penny out of them, but uh, I really like doing them.
1: Cool. And um, Jeff, thank you for um, helping us out the diecast movie reviews with um, stepping in when Ben and Michaela weren't available to do this review for us.
2: Well, I'm thanks for asking me and uh, you know, faith, was on my side. I rolled a musical. We got to do this. I'd love to come back some other time. Maybe, you know, as the sting wears off, uh, and you're desperate for another guest, uh, I promise I, I could pick something a little more, uh, mainstream, I guess.
1: Ah, see, the interesting thing is, as I told Rich, um, Rich Chamberlain also was at the, Classic Cars Club podcast. And then I recorded a movie, um, together. I this time I get the roll to die and pick the movie that you get to watch and review. Ah, uh, is that how it works? Yeah. We alternate. Um, when there's only two of us, it makes sense. You know, um, yeah, really with yeah. Mikhail and I, we roll die to see who picks, but you know, I, I feel it's fair that we alternated it. I and mean, um, I'll roll die when we're off recording and, um, tell you what genre and everything like that. And then I'll try to think of a movie to do with it. Um,
2: I feel like you might be getting the double whammy. I don't think you've put it out yet, but you and Ben keep talking about this movie. He really wants to you all to watch. i too eager to watch it. and Fate was on his side too. He rolled the dice and got to, to recommend his movie. What is that?
1: A Chu Demon Slayer.
2: Huh. I have no idea what that means.
1: <laughs> I've seen the movie and um and stuff like that and i think by the time this comes out we should have the review of it up there we're waiting for we're waiting for michael to watch it it's um a korean movie and it's um has an english dub and in subtitles uh, and i think you we, mean i have to read a movie well you know it is you, know, you can watch the english dub uh it, it, i think it costs a dollar we got it like at the um, uh, the dollar store or something like that so it's it's it's, it's, it's very affordable <laughs> if it's still out there in the dollar store, which gives you an idea of what kind of movie it could be like. But listeners, um, join us again for our next episode, which could either be an interview or review, but we're going to go out with this episode with a happy ending, which some of you might be happy that we're, we're actually done. I don't know, but enjoy yourself, have fun, and hope that you guys will listen in the next episode. Thanks, Steve. You're welcome, Jeff. Okay, so I got us on mute, and the song is playing in the background. Uh,
2: I hate to deny you the pleasure of listening to it again.
1: Well, I had to listen to it to put it on here too, so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's, it's the um, Rode Caster Pro. Huh. And um, it has four microphone attachments USB, okay. phone, Bluetooth, and then the part I have it's like, it has like eight buttons, colored buttons. And can hmm. so record something different, each one of them, and you can have eight different um, sheets of it, depending on how much, um, uh, how big they are, like how loud and you know, how much space you're taking. So you can have up to sixty-four things already pre-recorded. Wow! On the put it, and that way you can just stream it like right in to the thing. And it, it, when it's doing the music, it gives you a little countdown, you know, going on like, it's, like two and a half minutes to go, huh? And that kind of thing so it's, it's pretty nice and you can adjust the different levels and the mic I'm going to probably bring this up a Monster Bash because I want to my, my goal is is like after we watch one of those movies get a few people together and let's just record a review yeah and while it's all fresh and that kind of stuff and that way you get different people you know, Ben will be with me and um, that way I'll have the younger version and then uh, get up with two yeah. people and that way I can go through and do it and then just put those out almost like right away because we'll, once we have it recorded what we're to do is just do maybe some minor editing change it from a WAV file to an MP3 and you know, upload it to Anchor and put it out
2: hmm. sounds fun I hope so
1: you know, that's all I was thinking. we're to have some discussions that we can talk about too of thinking, uh, you know different topics that are going on that kind of thing. I'm not sure whether you know to fit it in with like people. And the group of people, I don't want to have it like just four middle-aged guys discussing the topic about women in movies. But if I can get <laughs> Tracy and it's a Dominique, because I don't think he's coming. But let's say like Tracy and Dominique, and somebody else. That was just the two of them, and I can get their opinions, you know, on that. And that way, we can discuss these topic. I felt I, I felt it was important after Derek and that Wolfman reviewed like him and Stephen D. Sullivan I felt so bad for Derek. For Steve, just I don't know. He just kept talking about it. And I was like digging the whole thing. You know what I'm talking about?
2: Well, I'm, I'm not sure. What?
1: When Stephen, when they were talking about um, women in the movie. and Derek Oh. Like, he was trying to pick her up, even though she's already engaged. And, um, and then the telescope, and he's using the telescope to look at her. And Stephen, is saying, oh, it's a product of its time, which is the usual answer, which is true. It is a product of its time, but it still doesn't mean you can't address it, how things have changed. Right. Since then, which is my point of view. It's like, yes, it's, you know, King Kong, all these things are products of their time. How have we adapted and changed since then? Yep. All right, let me turn this off.